The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish but to fulfill. And then I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter of the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar, go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. And then I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. It was also said... Whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, do not take a false oath, but make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. Let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one. The Gospel of the Lord. I was in St. Thomas More Academy the other day in the student lounge. And on a couch there 
There was a textbook with a very simple name, College Physics. And I thought, whoever is going to use this book is going to have to sacrifice some time and energy in order to assimilate all that's inside of it. It wasn't something they could have done 10 years ago. They didn't have the capacity for it. It was impossible for them. They can do that now. There are some of you here who are younger who may be thinking to yourself, when I grow up, I want to be whatever. You can't do it now. You're not prepared for it. You don't have the facility. The time will come when you may. The rest of us here remember those days when we would have said, when I grew up, I wanted to be. In fact, in some ways, that goes on all of our lives. We're always becoming something else that we weren't able to become before. At the fall of humanity, when our first parents, so to speak, were driven out of the garden, out of God's life, they lost that life. The indwelling of God was no longer in them. They were no longer able to do things they had once done. They lost the capacity. You and I have inherited that condition. We could not do things because of a lack of grace. But God didn't wish it to be that way. And so we have the Incarnation. Our Lord then begins to speak to his disciples. Things are going to change. We will be changed. We will have a capacity we didn't have before. We can now once again love as we were meant to love. Our Lord mentions the commandments. We will now be able to not just obey the commandments, he's going to elevate the commandments. He'll elevate obedience, he'll elevate love, he will elevate friendship, and humanity itself. He speaks about the commandments. He's going to perfect them. He's going to fulfill them. We will now have a capacity to live them as we could not have lived them before. Because if we disobey the commandments, it isn't just a matter that we are disobedient. But we have failed to obey. We've all failed to love, and we fail to be human. The commandments teach us what it means to be human. Insofar as we ignore them or reject them, then we are less human. Even if it seems like it's a wonderful thing to do. Even if it seems so negative. Our Lord is calling us to something that may seem negative because it's so beautiful. He goes on to be very specific about it, too, exactly what he means. Example. You have heard the commandment, you shall not kill. I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother, whoever says to his brother, Raka, or says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Gehenna. Gehenna was a traffic, pardon me, a garbage dump just outside of Jerusalem. It was always burning. It was a symbol of hell. So it isn't just a matter of something physical. It's hatred that becomes this evil, real hatred. Hatred makes us liable to judgment. You know, that doesn't mean hostile feelings. He's not talking about feelings. We all have hostile feelings from time to time, and sometimes we should. 
If someone's going to do us a grave evil or to our family, we're going to have hostile feelings. They come and go. Hatred is an act of the will by which I wish evil on somebody else, especially spiritual evil. That's hatred. And then our Lord goes on to say, if you bring your gift to the altar and you recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there, make peace with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. He's speaking of the temple in Jerusalem and the offerings they would have made by way of sacrifices. He also means, with his own suffering and death, that if you bring your gift here to the, to the Eucharist, and you re realize that there is some great rift between you and your brother, that you cannot receive the Eucharist if you're in the state of mortal sin. You must first go be reconciled to brother and to the church, whom you have injured also in the sacrament of penance and the confession. That reconciliation must take place if it's a serious injury before you can come and offer your gift, before you can come into the presence of the Eucharist, or you can come into the presence, but you cannot receive me until you have dealt with that issue, which is why we have the sign of peace, you know, which has become so trivialized. I, I wonder if we really know what we're doing with that anymore. The sign of peace is supposed to be a symbol. When I give a sign to the person on my left or right, that I come to the Eucharist with hatred for no one. That's a powerful symbol. The person next to me symbolizes all humanity. I come to this Eucharistic sacrifice with hatred for no one. Uh, our Lord tells us we must come that way. Again, never mind the feelings. The feelings are important, but they aren't the will. The will is what's important when it comes to sin. So our Lord then gives us that example and then turns to adultery. His hearers must have been taken aback when I heard all these things. Um, he says, I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. All right? Some years ago, Pope John Paul II said that husbands and wives should not lust for one another. I was with a group of non-Catholic men at the time, and they said, is he crazy? What does he mean? Not lust. And I said exactly what he said. Lust means that I am using you as an object. You are an object of pleasure to be used or not used as I see you. Sadly, even husbands and wives can do that sometimes. That person is no longer someone whom I love and with whom I communicate, simply an object of sexual pleasure or desire, that's all. And that cannot be. That's not love. Our Lord warns us about that in our hearts, just the way we look at it. Of course, our culture will throw a thousand and one images at us every day. It's so much more difficult today to avoid this sin, but we have to be the heroes. We're the ones who aren't going to give in to this. We're not going to let the world around us tell us that we should. We're going to fight back against it by the way we live, by the way we behave, by the way we act. The world will know that things are different because of what we have done and what we have experienced. He then gives us an example. He's not telling us to mutilate our bodies. Mutilation of the body is a grave sin. He's simply telling us that nothing must get in the way of this virtue. Uh, this is something we must keep as part of our lives. Purity and chastity must be part of our lives, and we must be the examples of what that means. Even if our world comes against us with everything that it has, we will fight it, or whatever that might mean. So then we come here. Why? Because only through the Eucharist do we receive the strength to be able to do this. We can't do it on our own. It simply can't be done. We will fail. But with the strength that comes from the Eucharist, it comes from grace. When our Lord gave us grace, he said, you can now do things you couldn't have done before. 
I'm now making it possible for you to do heroic things. You can now be images of me. You couldn't have done that before. I'll make it possible. The Eucharist does make it possible. You know, though, I think I've said, when it comes to the appetites, let's say purity, only the cowards win, the ones who run. The brave always lose, because we can't do it on our own. It will only be done with our Lord's strength. If we try to do it on our own, it's just not going to happen. But with his strength, we can, we can conquer all things. Nothing needs to be frightening. Nothing needs to get in the way. So if we can get over our fear and realize what we have been given, then we will be different people. And the world will be a different place, too, because we have allowed ourselves to be transformed by that power in order to make it so. So we will go on now to make present that power that makes it possible for us to be victorious, and make it possible for us uh, to uh, bring that victory that's already been won into our lives. Let us pray, Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, that her members will always respond to the grace that God has given to them uh, to live heroic lives, especially the church suffering and the church in our own country, we pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, that they will receive the great gift that God has given to his church, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering, for those who are lonely or frustrated or confused, that they may know that they serve the Lord in their suffering, for those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost light and lost peace, we pray to the Lord. For greater respect for human life, especially at the beginning and at the end, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, especially from our own parish and diocese, those young men and women will be visible signs of God's grace acting in our midst. For a greater reverence for the mission of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our administrator, our new bishop, whomever he may be, our priests, deacons, seminarians, and the American hierarchy, that they will first be transformed by God's grace, and as saints that they may conquer the evils of our age, we pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. For all of our youth who are on John 635 this weekend, they will be transformed by this experience and grow in faith and grace, we pray to the Lord. And for all of us here, that we will, through heroic virtue, overcome all obstacles to the grace of God, and particularly through the Eucharist, we pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of the Creator, as we say.
I would ask, please, at this time, um, before we have the collection, that if uh, all married couples would please stand. The church has designated this as a week especially uh, dedicated to marriage and asks us to bless the couples at Mass today. Almighty and eternal God, you have so exalted the unbreakable bond of marriage that it has become the sacramental sign of your son's union with the Church as his spouse. Look with favor on these couples whom you have united in marriage as they ask for your help and the protection of the Virgin Mary. They pray that in good times and in bad they will grow in love for each other, that they will resolve to be of one heart in the bond of peace. Lord, in their struggles, let them rejoice that you are near to help them, in their needs, let them know that you are there to rescue them. In their joys, let them see that you are the source and completion of every happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.